Welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Town, a thousand pop punk and emo pop retrospective. I am as always Elaine, and with me there are two whole other human beings. Hello, it turns out that once upon a time I got in a slap fight with the manager of Chili's. I'm Sybil. <laughs> Hello, I don't have any fun stories because I've been sitting on a folding chair in a dark room eating saltines for the past 24 years. I'm Adam. Isn't that the plot of that note? Ha! Maybe? I guess they were chips, not saltines. But we are talking the American version. Crackers is one of my main food groups right now, because I can take as many as I want from the dining hall as long as I don't get caught. I wanted to say something that I forgot. Oh, what's a chili's? It's a chain of restaurants. I was just making fun of the Godsmack story. I forgot, like, we will get there, but Punched in the Face by the Roadies of Godsmack sounds like the title of a lost, like, um, Mountain Goats record about Batrock, the spiritual sequel to Gods. That's the second book Reliant K put out. Oh, come on, no one could punch Reliant K in the face. They're too cute. And they're protected by God. Yeah. <laughs> they have the power of pop God and pop punk on their side. That makes me want to try harder. Adam going up against the shining force field of divinity, just trying to slug a guy. Oh, is that <laughs> what the shining force games are about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, well, that's good to know. So today we are talking about um, Page Avenue by Story of the Year. No? No reaction? No great, like, cheering here? Uh, honestly, this is, a, this is a perfectly okay album. This is, a fi- this is a fine album. I don't think it's great. It's it's pretty nothing for me. I enjoyed it on the first lesson, and I think I got bored of it on the second lesson. Um, it's funny to read the reviews, because people, like, especially, like, people who were into quote-unquote real punk hated the shit. Like, this was the... Starting uh-huh. moment where emo started becoming the thing that everyone fucking hated. And th- this album doesn't deserve that hate. It's fine. Um, I was talking before how it feels like the better version of this album is um, Thrice the Artist in the Ambulance, which came out like two months before this album, um, which feels like a more realized, less monolithic version of this. But even then... <laughs> I don't think the Trice album is amazing. It's just solid. Um, the true best version of this genre is um, My Chemical Romance 3 Cheer for Sweet Revenge, which will come soon. Of on course, our... I knew you were going to say that. I, I like that album. That album is really good. I think it's... I think uh... just because you've given me an easy intro to it, there's something that I realized late on listening to this record. Mm-hmm. This is the technical competence of a Thursday or an AFI without the absolute extra gimmick that gives those that extra kick. This is what would happen if you put 
the whitest people in AFI. No goth, just the the preps at your school. This is what they would make with that talent. I, I took a note about this, that this feels like, uh, let's see what I wrote, because they cite, um, regarding that, they cite Guns N' Roses as an influence. And while musically that doesn't make sense, as a vibe, like, yes. Yes, I get it. You're, well, I see. Before we get into the history of the band, then, let's just discuss how Feldman, John Feldman, the producer on this, the guy from Goldfinger who Ellie hates, is... He used slurs against me specifically. Well, the group of people to which I belong. I was going to say, I've used slurs against you specifically. <laughs> You're allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, but unless, unless, unless John Feldman comes out of the, um, comes out of the pandemic with a pair of rocking tits, he's not allowed to use slurs against us. I just meant I called you Italian things. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Italians. <laughs> I think I've also called you British at least once and you got yeah, really that's, offended. But that's just like factually incorrect. <laughs> I'm not. I can call you Scottish, though. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, uh, technically, technically. But yeah, um, John Feldman was producer on this record, and he says that there was a fight with the band over the sound. They wanted to go for a more metal styling, and he's like, "Guys, you're not there. You need to. You need to focus on lyrics. You need to make this something that you can, you know, croon." Yeah, I mean, he also specifically wanted to make them make a record that uh, they could sell to a label, which they did. Yeah. They actually sold this to Maverick, which is, you know, was a big label at the time before it completely collapsed. Uh, so, yeah. Know. Yeah, I've, I'm... We'll talk about when the songs come. This record is a very standard um, emo poster core record for the time with, you know, melodic bits and screamer bits. And it's fine. It's incredibly of its time. I really enjoyed it the first time that I listened to it. And on the second time, I think all of the flaws started bubbling up. Um, I, I, I just think there's better, uh, better execution of this style. Uh, but it's not bad, it's not terrible. But, yeah. We'll make the same mistakes. I'll take the fall for you. I hope you need this now. Cause I know I still do. Until the day I die. I'll spill my heart for you. Until the day. The members of Story of the Year initially met in 1995 in St. Louis, Missouri. Their early years uh, led to about five different bands with a lot of different lineups, and we're not going to go through them because none of those people matter at all to the story. In 2002, they will finally change their name to Story of the Year, 
in concurrence with the release of their first self-titled EP, and solidify the lineup as Ryan Phyllis on guitar, Adam Russell on bass, Dan Marsala on vocals, and Josh Willis on drums. Greg Haupt was on guitar on that EP, but will be replaced by Philip Sneed from their 2003 record, which we're covering today, onwards. In 2002, they signed a deal with Maverick Records, the now-defunct Madonna-founded label. Please go listen to our episode on Lilix for more lore about that saga. And record their first LP, Page Avenue. The singles are Until the Day I Die and Anthem of Our Dying Day, both of which had music videos, the second directed by Joe Mr. Han of Linkin Park. Both of the singles got a bunch of airplay and radio promotion, and Page Avenue was a fair commercial success, going gold the next year in 2004. The record was written in collaboration with John Feldman of Goldfinger fame on production, and the band and Feldman, as mentioned, came to some disagreements about what they wanted their sound to be. Uh, Feldman pushed them towards the writing angle, where the band said they wanted to have a more metal sound. And so, during this time, the band was trying to get that cred up and got into a fight with the roadies of Godsmack. Yes, that was after the record, was when they were touring with the, for the record, but yes, there's a... Uh... So basically what happened in the, was that incident, and then on their website, the main dude from the band, which I don't remember the name of, um, of the dude, not of the band. I, I know that we're doing Save the Day? No. Story of the Year. Okay. Oh my god. The story so far? All of the names sound the fucking same. We've got story so far, story of okay. the year, save the day. Well, since someone else is having this issue, I'm going to confess right now. I did double-check our episodes just to make sure we hadn't recorded this and I already forgot. Like, if you told me that this band was the starting line, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Not because it sounds like the starting line, but because all of this name have started to just blend together in my head. I kept mixing this album up with Yellow Card. Well, yeah, but that's because Yellow, yeah, uh, Yellow Avenue, too. Page Avenue, I get that, um... Anyhow, there was this whole uh, post that the dude made, because we were already at the time of posters. It's, it That's wasn't, right. Yeah. Um, so do you want to read it? Because oh, I, I, I absolutely found, do. I've been preparing a voice for this. I found the full version. This was deleted afterwards, but like I found the full version of this, and it's great. All right. I am reading this verbatim, so... Please, uh, anything that is in the voice I am about to use, this is not me. This is, uh, I believe this is, I'm double checking, Dan Marsala is the one who wrote this. Or at least put his name to please it. Use a vo- please use a voice that's, um, he- that's like pleasant to hear for this very long post, because this goes on for a while. Okay. Fuck Godsmack and their Nazi fucking crew. Hello, no, everyone. No, 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 he's not British. <laughs> well, it was this or the nerd voice. <laughs> okay, you do it in a British accent, I guess. Something pretty amazing happened, and I would like to share it with you. Last night at a radio show in Indiana, my band, except for Josh, he was in the shower, and our tour manager was jumped by Godsmack's production manager crew, and security, along with local security. It was a pretty fair fight. 
the five of us versus at least ten 200-plus-pound football reject jock cokehead fucking piece-of-shit-fucking losers. Almost a fair fight, huh? So what did we do to deserve this, you're probably wondering? It had to have been something really bad, huh? Did we have sex with one of their wives? No, that's not why. Did we steal some of their drugs? No, not that either. Did we sell their security some bunk steroids? No. This is the awful thing that we did to get jumped. The show was in an amphitheater. We made everyone in the crowd jump and asked everyone in the lawn to come down to the front of the stage. I can totally understand how this might have caused a little bit of a panic for the local security, but the show was sucking, so we had to make it rock. It's not like there was a riot or anything. It ruled. Apparently, Godsmack's douchebag fucking production manager and crew didn't like this, so they were backstage waiting for us. I'm gonna stop the story right there just to reiterate the fact that this was a radio show, not a fucking Godsmack show. We were not opening for Godsmack. We are not on tour with Godsmack. The absolute fact of the matter is that neither Godsmack's band or crew had any authority or say in anything regarding my band. It was simply none of their fucking business what happened on or off stage during our performance. It's funny that the only people in the whole fucking ordeal that were cool was the damn radio station. No one from WRZX said anything to us, plus they didn't jump us. Anyway, we walked off stage excited, because we turned a shitty show into a fucking rock show. Within ten seconds of us finishing our last song, Godsmack's ugly dick-faced production manager had his hands all over Dan, screaming at him, saying, Get the fuck out of here! You're not getting fucking paid! Who the fuck do you think you are? You're not fucking rock stars! Dan replied to the guy's face, Yeah! Rock and roll! Wahoo! This really pissed off the piece-of-shit production manager. Our tour manager intervened and told the dude not to touch band members. What happens next? Three Cro-Magnon jockfucks grabs our tour manager and holds him still so one guy could pummel his face. Four of them jump on Adam and pummel his face. Dan, Phil, and I got hit, but not half as bad as they did. Josh walked off stage and went in the dressing room just five seconds before this happened and missed it. I did get to punch a dude in the face a couple of times. That ruled. Dan got to punch their production manager in the face, and Phil, God love Phil, he picked up a metal box and smashed the fussy face production manager in the head with it. I think it's still pretty safe to say we lost, though. Let me again reiterate the fact that no one in Godsmack's band or crew had any fucking right to even say a word to us. If we were opening for Godsmack at one of their lame-ass shows, or if we were on tour with them, then yeah, they've got the power. It's their show. They're in charge. But even then, kick us off tour. Tell us to go home. Cuss at us. Don't pay us. Whatever. Don't put your fucking gorilla hands on my fucking band. That's not business. That's fucking gang shit. So we just got jump putting on a rock show. Then to top it off, the fucking cops quarantine us in a 300-degree room while all the fucks who started the fight walked around drinking beer and laughing at it. They totally started the fight, threw the first punches, and we were fucking held in a room, then held in our bus. Then, the icing on the cake, an inbred cop with a handlebar mustache tells us he's not putting up with our kind, and the whole thing's a joke and he can personally guarantee that nothing will happen to anyone that kicked our ass. Eat another donut, you power-abusive fucking molester. So why fuck Godsmack? 
because their dick face crew jumped us and not one member of that fucking band bothered to come and apologize for it. Sully, the singer, walked by our dressing room, looked at us, and gave us a dirty look. No, sorry, my Hoosier ass crew jumped you. No, sorry, my band hires irresponsible fucking criminals. Nothing from any of them. Awesome. It's funny that we played a radio show with all these hard-ass new metal bands like Godsmack, and they couldn't handle Little Old Story of the Year's rock show. Sorry we're not 40 years old and we don't stand on stage like someone's forcing us to. Sorry we love our band and love to put on a show for people who pay $3 million to see a bunch of dorky bands stare at their feet. So they took it upon themselves to jump us. Yeah, so fuck Godsmack and their stupid fucking crew, and fuck every steroid-using jock-fucking-caveman security guard that thinks hitting a dude 200 pounds smaller than him is cool. Eat shit and die, you fucking pussies. Scene. There were no arrests from the incident, and uh police department apparently has no record of anything at all having taken place. Um... Story of the this post was deleted and replaced with a note that said, um, I took Godsmack post down because we're going to ask them to get some ice cream with us. So, yeah. Yep. So that tells you a lot about the sense of story of the year right there. And you know what? I think they did need the guy from Goldfinger's help to write lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. God. <sighs> and we kick off with And the Hero Will Drown. sort of tells you what's gonna go on in this record, which is like poster Corimo, but with very with a very bad attitude. Just listen to that drum and that like distorted guitar at the beginning. That's just like that's some audio slave shit. <laughs> that's like that's not even emo. That's like some audio slave like bat rock shit. And then it goes into a more like screamo kind of thing. Um yeah, in, in the emoest emo that you'll ever listen to. I had this pegged as starting like a Red Hot Chili Peppers song closes, and then it does turn into standard <laughs> new metal. You're right. <laughs> Talking about new metal, I just got reminded by playing Theatre Rhythm, the new metal Chocobo song that the Final Fantasy Thirteen games did. Crazy Chocobo with yeah. Shooty G, yes. <laughs> Love it. Love it. The, the, I loved that. Those games rule. <laughs> those games are so good. There's a yeah. whole series of podcasts where you can hear me discuss the Final Fantasy thirteen trilogy. Oh, do you have something to plug, Do you Sable? say nice things about it? Uh, yes, actually, I'm incredibly uh, hype on the thirteen trilogy, and I love the okay. cocaine Coney Island Disco Palace that rounds out Lightning Returns. 
I need <laughs> I need to play Lightning Returns. I I never got. Through I need that. to play Lightning Returns too. Okay, I need both of you. I need both of you to know. Snow literally becomes a coke dealing immortal. Yes, I played the intro. I, know. I played the intro at least. Yes, I never got. I that. watched a summary of it because I was like, "Oh fuck! I don't know when I'm ever gonna be able to play that." I need to find out what happens. Adam, just saying, we should do a stream. Gotta get out of this trilogy? Timeline. Gotta get out of this timeline. Gotta get out of this timeline and just play okay. Lightning Returns. Gotta get out of this timeline. God, that fucking timeline. Uh, yeah, okay. I think Final Fantasy Thirteen. everyone hates it, and I think it's a good game. I think it's a very interesting take on the, on what a Final Fantasy game can be. Uh, I didn't like thirteen too much, but that's just me. I hear a lot of people <laughs> love it. Uh, Adam amongst 13 them. Thirteen two was my first Final Fantasy game. Nice. Thirteen two is Chrono Trigger on acid. Yeah. I also do like Chrono Trigger. It is very much Chrono Trigger on acid. Um, but I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Also, this is our daily reminder that Adam is in- an incredibly a zoomer. Like. I, I just dissolved it's so into funny. All all of my sweet mates are like eighteen. Um So they're older so than you. Now I'm No, <laughs> now I'm the oldest person in the group and it's like, oh god. <laughs> now just imagine doubling that and you have my problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I was like, huh. I should stop clowning on Sybil so much. <laughs> you'll get old too, and you'll wonder what it is, and when you lost it, it'll happen to you. I'm allowed to clown on both of you. But we're also allowed to clown on you, That's so. True. I mean, yes, but not for the age. <sighs> no, I can still clown on you for that. I'm not that old, and I'm not that young. Uh, I, I am the perfect age. You're middle aged. <laughs> That's not so, what that's not what middle age means, Adam. It is now. It is now. You just described your age as being in the middle. That, that is not how etymology and a meaning, prescriptive meaning of word works, Adam, but you do you. Words mean what we decide they mean. As long as what I'm saying is able to be understood by you, it is achieving its job. Were we talking about a we talking about a song? We were talking about a song. We were still talking about the first song, which I liked. Mm-hmm. I did like it. I I was like, oh, maybe I'll like this album. Um, and then everything after that was just. A- yeah, they shift away from this sound pretty quick. They come. They come back to it. I feel at the end. I feel there's like this very. It starts like this and it ends like this. And they do try a bunch of different things in the middle, which don't always work. It's a nothing sandwich. <laughs> uh, I love how edgy 13-year-old poetry some of the lyrics are. Uh, but still our yeah. hands are bound at the wrist. This romantic tragedy is suffocating from your fist. I, that That is one of my notes. It's like, oh, wow. 13-year-old Adam would have fucking loved this shit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, this shit is amazing. This is, like, edgy to a, to a level of... Edgy! Yeah. <laughs> this Good record stuff. feels like it's going to talk to you about 2000s internet atheism. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. It does. Yes. It does, sadly. It constantly flirts with a metaphor, but it never says God. So I can't say, oh, this has Christian rock vibes. Instead, it constantly feels like it wants to be edgelordy without having the approval from mom. Because there's a song that feels like another band would have made it a suicide song, but instead it's just, I don't know, it's, it's some bad things happen. I, I just like a lot of this turn of phrases. They're incredibly edgy. They, maybe it's time to spit out the core of a rotting union, hopefully before it chokes. Like, God, dude, did you write this in your Kingdom Hearts fanfic? This romantic <laughs> tragedy is suffocating from your fist yeah. in a sea of fire. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, this is a solid song. Maybe one of the best on the record. And then we go... Oh, the singles. Until the day I die. The guitar intro to this reminds me incredibly of the uh, guitar intro to SCP Remix, just played at half speed, which SCP Remix will release like two years later, so it's not a direct copy thing, it's just like, it's funny, because whenever I hear the song, I, that song comes to mind. I guess since you're talking about remixes and albums, I was going to bring this up later. They did a 10-year anniversary re-recording of this record that was acoustic, and they cut two tracks off it. Which is incredibly funny, because I can't see why they cut those two specific tracks. This isn't one of them, I just figured I'd bring them Which up. are the two that they cut? They sliced off... Da -da, burning Years and Falling Down. Huh, that's a weird choice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Falling Down is a bad song. <laughs> I can... Well. <laughs> falling Down is very curious because they wanted to sound like a metal band, and that's one of the most metal band tracks on the record. So I'm really curious what they sound like after this album. That is fair. Falling Down is also like the, like the poster song about them not being good at that kind of music. Like, I get it. Like, Falling Down is a song that another band could, like, do great. I don't think the song itself is bad. It's just, like, it doesn't work for them. With the production and how they play it and how they sing it, I think it just doesn't have any energy. I you just know, want to it, know what an acoustic version of it sounds like. Well, it doesn't because they didn't do it. That's my point. I, w I bet it sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, I am assuming... That's probably why yeah, they got it. I'm assuming that's why they can it. <laughs> 
Until the Day I Die is something that's really hard to say anything about because it's a firmly nothing track that... Uh, the videos for this band have kind of vanished into the limbo since their record company dissolved completely in a catastrophic crash and burn. This one is just a standard, we're playing a concert in the middle of nowhere thing where people watch us. I heard this way too much when it came out. Oh, was the, definitely, both of the songs were played a lot, right? This were oh, surprisingly yeah. popular. Oh, yeah. That's kind of crazy to me because I'm I I've like I I this one came out and I was like, well maybe I'm not gonna like this album. Never mind. Scratch everything I wrote about the last song. This is just pretty nothing. Um, I don't hate this song. It's a very melodramatic sort of love slash maybe a breakup, but we're keeping that ambiguous song, and it it's fine. It's ambiguous, it's nothing. I I can see the appeal of the song. I also can see that if you listen to this every fucking day because of the radio, you'd hate this. This is oh, not yeah. a song with staying power. Like, this is a song that you listen to and it's like, oh yeah, I get it. Um, But it's not something that I would come back to. And if I was forced to come back to it over and over again, I would probably hate it. It doesn't have a lot of depth, is what I'm getting to. It's, it's a very straightforward song that does what it trying to do it does the emo thing it does the angst thing and it's fine but there's not much behind that even the um, instrumentation it's sort of like one of the lightest song of the record all of the other songs on the record go very heavy on the guitar and this one doesn't do even that for what it's worth uh this does get a positive from me because this is a 355 track that is the longest song on the record. They know their lane and they stick to it. I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> if I have to say one thing, they're breezy. That's true, yeah, I, I, could, I could say that. Maybe the singles are. I think the, the, just the relentless heaviness of the guitar on a lot of the record makes it really feel longer to me like it's very monolithic like the guitar sound it's a bit different here it's a bit different in a couple of songs but from the next song onward it's gonna be like very monolithically heavy in a way that doesn't have a lot of subtlety and doesn't have a lot of just variety to it and it especially on the second lesson it made this record feel so long i also have an headache so maybe that's part of it but you know why do all emo bands always have to talk about choking someone? Choking is the most G-rated threat of death you can do. Oh, fair enough. And that's the thing. Let's just talk about how a lot of tracks on this feel like they should be for darker songs. Swallow the Knife, Anthem of Our Dying Day... Razor blades. All of this feels like the kind of thing that you would get out of an AFI or a stabbing westward, but none of it really builds to any kind of heavy themes. It doesn't deliver on the what you're gonna expect from the song based on the titles. This I is think. not even alkaline trio levels of gore. This is very no. again, it's very thirteen thirteen year old poetry. Yeah. 
Like, if I'm going to listen to a song called Razorblades, I'm expecting some fucking blood. And I, I can't say this is poorly made music. It's pretty well produced. Everyone's good at their role. Oh, the I disagree on the production. Really? I, th- I think the, uh-huh. the production goes overboard so much on this. I I really wish they they stripped this down a bunch because I think it contributes to it feeling very monolithic. The production does a lot, and specifically with how they are approaching this music, how they're approaching the genre, which is they're not doing a very theatrical thing, they're not doing the an MCR thing. I really wish the production was way stripped down for this record because it would have let it breathe a lot more. I feel that one of the problems of this record is there's always something going on musically. Not, you know what I mean, the sonically at least. There's always something going on. And I think sometimes the production should just let breathe this record. I don't like the production at all. I think it doesn't fit what they're doing. I think it was the right kind of production to get on the radio because it's uh, ear-catching and it's something that is, of course, worked at the time. I think it heavily like it heavily damaged listenability for me. I think this album gets very heavy on the year because of how heavily it is produced. Interesting. I think it actually flows pretty well, and I thought that one exception aside, every track sounded distinct enough that I could tell you which one I'm listening to but it never got into an overproduced territory where I found myself going, end already, stop, quit. I I think a lot of this album is overproduced. Okay. There's just too much, there's too many many effects, too much echo and shit going on. Um, It doesn't work with my ears. Anyhow, what was the next song? Uh, Anthem of Our Dying Day. Anthem of Our Dying Day. That's exactly, exactly what I need From up here the city lights burn Like a thousand miles of fire And I'm here to sing this anthem Of our dying day For a second I wish the So, this is the much more annoying single of the two, if you have to put a gun to my head and make me pick. Okay, but counterpoint, the stars will cry the blackest tears tonight. <laughs> I love this lyric. <laughs> so dumb. I think the lyrics are fine. Until the chorus. For a second, I wish the tide would swallow every inch of the city. Yeah, the lyrics are wonderful, but none of the video or the chorus delivers on that. Okay, cool. We're describing what's basically an apocalypse, and then the chorus is just like, And then the city is bright, and we're dying soon. Yeah, again, it's it's dumb. I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those are funny lyrics, but I think they would work for the, uh, the intended audience of, you know, kids. It's, well, that's uh, good because the video, which is only online via a DVD rip of their old tour stuff, 
is kids breaking into an abandoned theater to have a party around the band. Sure, why not? That's... Alright, man. My, my only note on this one was, wow, this is really nothing for a single, like... Yeah, I, I think there are better songs that could have been a single on the record. Mm -hmm. Specifically, there is one song that I feel it's a very solid pop song that comes later, and I feel it would have been a better intro than this. Better single than this, sorry. Is it Sidewalks? Oh no, Sidewalks is the worst song of the record. Um, well, that's the third single. Interestingly enough, uh, I'm looking ahead and... I get the feeling Story of the Year might be the kind of band we cut from our list going forward, because... This is the last time they're classified as pop punk. I've listened. Okay, so I've listened something from our their 2017 album. Um, it's not good. <laughs> it's that, that's all I'm gonna say. I listened to a song from the 2017 album. It's not good, and they currently look like what I would describe as um an American gritty reboot of Jedward. They have to I just noticed that their genre is shifting into alternative rock and melodic hardcore or alternative metal from album. Yeah, album. I, uh, their, their 2017 album is like very mainstream like rock, like mainstream like that kind of mainstream bat rock, like sort of like um, Prophecy? No. What's the band that starts with a P? Propaganda? No. Uh, they did some tracks for, like, Doom. What's the name of that band? Pantera? No, from the new Doom. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, well, uh... Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, uh, I, I just found it fascinating because I'm going, what does their sound become after this? Oh, they start shit-talking Feldman all over the place and immediately go hardcore after this. Yeah. It's just funny. Hmm. I mean, I would shit-talk Feldman, too, if I was in a position to do so. You do! You shit-talk <laughs> Feldman every time his name comes up. Okay, but I haven't worked with the guy, so my shit-talking doesn't have the same value as theirs. I suppose... What's the next track? In the Shadows. song that sounds yeah, like... I I liked it yeah it's yeah. fun probably because it's an AFI song I've got it Periphery is the band that I meant they sound like Periphery now got it okay they they Periphery did, I think they did some music for Doom um I have no idea I got about an hour into that game and stopped Periphery is like the one of the big like I like to call it gamer metal because it sounds like garbage and only gamers like it. Um, 
You know I just bought a new mouse, right? Does it have RGB? Uh, it could if I turned on, like, a driver, but I'm not going to do that. Okay. I mean, if, if, if you had turned on RGB, you would enjoy Periphery. <laughs> That's so funny. That's one of the cruelest things you've ever said to me, but I like it. In the Shadows is interesting because I think of it as a lesser AFI in a complimentary yeah. way. If I were younger when this came out, I'd probably have been into it. Yeah, that sounds like an AFI like punk song, like early AFI. Wow, in the shadow of our life. That's cool. That's a, that's a good pop Yeah, I, I was like, oh, maybe this album can be good. Sometimes when they try. Sometimes when they try and they sound like a different band that's not them. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Oh, oh, so this might be what they sound like now. I, I forgot my first note for this uh, song, which is In the Shadows. The Hedgehog? Question mark? Anyhow. Uh, he would have debuted by this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, would pro Shadow the Hedgehog would probably love this record. Shadow the Hedgehog would listen to someone who can actually talk about PG-rated issues. <laughs> Oh dear. That's Shadow the Hedgehog's favorite song. Favorite record. Shadow the Hedgehog... Well, do you mean debut Shadow the Hedgehog or modern Shadow the Hedgehog? No, debut Shadow the modern. Hedgehog. Debut Shadow the Hedgehog would have been all over Godsmack. Fair <laughs> 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 enough. What about modern? <laughs> Modern Shadow the Hedgehog would probably lean a little more emo. I think AFI would be the perfect band for a Modern Shadow the Hedgehog. What about Alkaline Trio? I think you'd find him at the shows, but I don't think he would ever be going, There's this band you've got to hear, Sonic. <laughs> you have a very good Shadow the Hedgehog voice. It turns out I have a lot of really good Sonic impressions, probably because I'm that sort of person. Mm -hmm. Gamer. Gee, a trans woman with strong opinions about Sonic the Hedgehog. I've never heard that before. Who would have thought? It's so original. When will your eight-hour video essay about Sonic the Hedgehog arrive? Here is my eight-hour video essay about Sonic the Hedgehog. Do more with Silver. I like that the comics have turned him into a fun character who doesn't get when he's being insulted. It's neat. The guy who comes from the future and didn't do a lot of socializing is a little weird and awkward. It's great. For real, just like me. Um. <laughs> just like me, for real. Also, Amy <laughs> told him you can plant things, and so he keeps trying to grow a garden and failing. Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the next song is Dive Right In. This is where the problem with the album starts. 
with me where like the guitars are just so relentlessly heavy like this song sound like fucking granite it's just like the guitar has like this wall of sound things going on and the song isn't like a heavy song melodically like it's doing the emo thing it's doing the melancholy thing and the guitar is just like tuna 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 and it's like oh god i just want to take a nap so this is one of the first tracks that the lyrics don't go as hard as you'd hope for the sound of it because it starts with two seconds of slow guitar before thrashing out but there's nothing interesting enough to dive right into and this is the most damning statement this one's transcription on genius is all one brick it's very clearly different from everything else and that caused me to go who did the transcription on this so i clicked the recent activity and 25 days ago this song was heating right up with its 1000th page view <laughs> okay Let that sink in that's how little anyone cares about this track anyway yeah, this, this song is, I don't like it. I think, well, I would have probably liked it in, in a void. I don't know, it's just, it's too heavy in contrast with what the model, uh, vocal melody is doing and the drum is just going crazy. And by this point of this record, it's starting to get tiring how heavy this is. There's not a lot of nuance and there's a lot of production just doing things. Um, and yeah, it, Nah, this is the point where I'm starting to sour on the album, but because I, uh, yeah. Makes me think of like shoveling snow for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like the 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 character from Final Fantasy just hitting him with a shovel. No, Ellie. That's the hope move. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's too real. Hmm. Anyhow, I'm just going to drop my favorite bit of trivia since we're at about the midpoint of the album and running out of things to say. So the photo on the cover of the record is actually a satellite shot of San Diego. Oh. Which none of the band come from. Huh. And apparently they were pretty pissed about this going, can we make it our hometown of St. Louis? It's also a city. And the record label is just like, yeah, but we already printed the covers. <laughs> Uh, that's just rude it's incredibly funny to me because yeah i was looking at it going wait a sec i think i recognize that is that the courthouse and it's like yeah no this is uh this is my city that's actually the construction of the downtown stadium which wouldn't be around for a few years that you could see at the top huh it's incredibly <laughs> funny to me it's like wait a second and yeah, the band was really upset about that. I mean, they're not that wrong. They seem easy to upset. It, they just seem to have had the most terrible time dealing with an actual record label. And it's kind of funny because it's not like we stole all your music and we kept things away from you. And we No, it's like, eh, this is death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, mean, I mean, it's like, you know, we're just like, 
got punched in the face by Godsmack and now the cover isn't coming up right and John Feldman is saying slurs at trans people. It's like, <laughs> it was a whole thing. You act like these guys would... Well, no, they wouldn't have because I don't think they want to say anything harder than Jack fucking Cro-Magnons! Oh, no, they have chaser faces. Come on, just look at the photo on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to go into Swallow the Knife. I like Swallow the Knife. atheist oh okay so here's the thing a lot of people at the time compared this to lincoln Park, which i think Mm -hmm. is not correct uh there are two songs on this record that sounds like lincoln Park copycats and i think they're just sort of bad one of this is swallow the knife i can never like most of this record like sounds nothing like lincoln park is like it's heavy and has a lot of guitars and swallow the knife sounds like vocal lines from a lincoln park song to me like the, I that get explains the, I, why I like it. I mean, that's fair. I just think that Linkin Park did this kind of song better. True, but if I have to listen to this album and some of it sounds like Linkin Park, I'm gonna like the part that sounds like Linkin Park more than I'm gonna like the part that doesn't. Fair enough. So regarding that, uh, the band would go on to actually support Linkin Park on their arena tour as they blew up during this period. But before they were with Linkin Park, do you know what band we're about to have reemerge that they were going on tour with? Godsmack? Sugar Cult. No. Fuck. God. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Sugar Cult. I've been triggered. <laughs> well, I have bad news. They are coming up in our near future. I'm sick that week. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, you have to eat your sugar cult before you can have your uh, My Chemical Romance. Sorry. Oh, fine. No. I'll be grumpy about it, though. Swallow the Knife is interesting because this is the one that made me think these guys feel like an early 2000s internet atheist. It's just so on the verge of being Christian rock lyrics, but none of it goes hard. It's just like, pull the thorn out of your side and there's a little bit of blood and we're talking about, but Swallow the Knife does not sound like suicide, does not sound like any kind of harm. It's just like, things are bad, but let's let's start over. Let's pray for it to start over. And that's it. That's not Swallowing the Knife. <laughs> yeah. You got a point there. It's very funny to me because this feels like this feels like children. This feels like yeah. children mad at the Narnia books. 
That's what Swallow the Knife feels like to me. That's the vibe. That is so funny. Um, A little bit, yeah. And then I started seeing all of their bootleg, not quite impressive enough to be goth stuff. Like, on the next one, nothing can fly with this broken wing. It's all throughout the lyrics. It's all one step removed from being some kind of religious symbolism. I think I killed Ellie. No, I'm fine. I just don't have anything to say about the song. Well, then how about we talk about burning years, ba-ba-ba. song tricked me because the guitar sounds like it's going to do something different at the beginning of the the song and then it goes back into like heavy butt shit and it's like uh the the chorus is too cheesy i am really tired of the guitar going like at 11 all the time right now especially in this kind of track um this definitely as i mentioned doesn't have the staying power of something like early tries or mcr like, this is the song where I'm like, yeah, I can see you liking Guns N' Roses, not much in terms of the, the genre itself, but just in terms of you're going at it in a very, very classic rock American way of just, like, going at 11 all the times. Uh, the dude writes like an emo kid, but this sounds like Nickelback a lot of the time. Like, the music sounds like... Uh, new metal, late grunge, emo Nickelback. Yeah. Um, oh dear. Would an emo Nickelback be a quarterback, or is that too jock? Oh, that's definitely too jock for them. They, 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 they would Penny get back. so angry at that. Uh, but yeah, like I feel like I'm being too negative. These songs are fine. It's just that I feel there's they're too heavy. All the time, there's not. They don't do a lot of going slow, and especially the guitar and the drums don't really ever stop, which I think makes the songs a lot, be, a lot very tiring. And yeah, they, there's not a lot of nuance in this. Uh, well, if you listen to again, I compare this to Trice because uh, "Artist in the Ambulance" is a very similar record to this. And I think Artists in the Ambulance is not amazing, but it's at least like half a star higher. Just because like, yes, it is very heavy and it's very poster core, but like the singing has energy and goes with that heaviness. And the production is a bit more stripped down, we let's it breathe a bit. Um, well, this is the opposite. This is very heavy. The production is overbearing, especially on this song. And the singing doesn't have energy. The singing feels like it's from a different song. It doesn't work. And it doesn't work in the same way that, like, a Thursday song would work. Because they're not as good as songwriters at Thursday. Like, Thursday did the heaviness plus, you know, 
plus like melancholic singing, but Thursdays were way better songwriters, way better lyric writers, and way better musicians in general. So this is one of the only ones where I actually feel how you do about the production having real problems. Uh, this is the second or third track in a row where they do a softer more muted guitar as intro right into hard thrashing all the time. For some reason, a couple of lines in the middle of the song just have a garbled underwater filter on the vocals. I don't know why. And again, this is one of the tracks they skipped on their acoustic 10th anniversary re-recording, and I think it's because you can't make this sound interesting in acoustics without it just coming out like muddled garbage a lot of this is production based i thought it was okay um like many of the songs on this i was just like listening to it and being like what can i fucking say about this can i say anything like is there anything to say other than eh this is nothing i didn't even put any notes down for this one because i was just like i don't know it's not horrible, it's not great, it is just sound. Fair enough. And then we go to the title track, Page Avenue. use this as a title track. <laughs> I think this could have been a single. This is as a really catchy chorus. I don't think it's, again, it has maybe the same problem as Until the Day I Die, where it's like it's sort of fine when you listen to it, but I could also imagine this getting very old when it um, get replayed. But it's a bit lighter, it's very specifically a pop track, um, it's very chorus-focused, like the chorus is not even this part, it's sort of catchy, it's like... It's fine. This sounds like uh, this sounds like a darker version of SR seventy one tomorrow, which I just huh? thought about. And it's like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That the the sort of sound yeah. like that. Um, I think this would have been both a better single than Sidewalk and a better single than Until the Day I Die. Quite possibly, I yeah. I don't know that you can say the latter, just because Until the Day I Die is literally the biggest this band ever got. Okay, but it sucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't it. disagree. I, I, I am not a ra- I'm not a radio executive for the t- from the 2003 for a reason. I will say Page Avenue's chorus is another one of those weird little atheist moments. I try to take control of my heart. I had something better but I'll tear it down and I'll tape it up. By my own design, I fall. It's like you're giving God the finger and going, I'm going to make my own mistakes, Cloud Dad. 20-something yells at Cloud. Nothing says more about how completely 
nonplussed the world is by these boys that only one of them has an individual page, which is where I was going to look for an age for a rough date. This is the entirety of the Adam Russell musician Wikipedia page. Adam Russell is the bassist of Story of the Year, comma, nothing. Russell left Story of the Year in 2014, but returned in 2018. Russell is vegan and known for his passion for the vegan movement. No photo, no birthday, There's no not even a, There's nothing. not even the little, like, diagram they do with, like, name, bands, whatever. They're usually, like, a little, you know table yeah. on the side and there's not there's not one in this page damn that's pretty sad and ironically the one thing cited in here that says he's the bassist for this band is from a feature that's archived about an entirely different group destroy rebuild until god shows reveal meaning behind name what <laughs> That's the name of the band they were talking about. That, that's the band who headlined that article that they talk about this dude being a bassist in. <laughs> Anyhow, in 2003, Dan Marsala was 23. Okay. Okay, it makes so I was sense. right, 20-somethings. I just wanted to see if I could find a quick confirmation, and nobody cares. <laughs> I, just, I, I just thought that the whole... Um rant with the uh, Godsmack thing sounded like a 20-something. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, it sounded like every idiot kid on LiveJournal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good point. That's a good point. I guarantee that text originally had a lot more bolding and uh, flags. See, it's just that I was like connecting the fact that they had been making music for how long they had and the fact that that all of that with the live journaliness. I'm like, yeah, it's probably about 20-something. Look, we've hmm. all been an idiot kid on live journal, aside from Adam, who's been an idiot kid on I Tumblr. I haven't, because live journal was dead by the time I was around. You've, you've been on Tumblr. Tumblr is live journal, but weirder. Um, worse. <laughs> I don't know if it's worse. Live, jur- live journal was pretty bad. <laughs> Uh, you know that's fair. I can't. I can't make that judgment call because I didn't see it. Um, weirder, perhaps. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, let's let, let's go through this quick. We're already at one hour of recording. <laughs> I think we're gonna go real quick from here after "Sidewalks," the song that we all hate. Reminds me of happy pulling. Uh, sidewalk is rubbish. Like sidewalk is straight up the worst song of the record. Like it's just really. B- they just keep stretching it. They just keep stretching it. It's just a really bad, overproduced like radio ballad. So this is an embarrassing track, but it would just be oh, it's a misfire if it weren't for the chorus. The chorus is the worst. 
sidewalks running away from the streets that we knew. Over. Yep. And oh, they've got to get over. out of this town. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it's the guy that got out of the town song. Yes! <laughs> this, yeah. This song bites. I did hear this on radio because I instantly recognized that chorus. F. And it's even weirder because the outro goes directly into the next track. Which is Divide, Divide and Conquer. And conquer. gave me a headache and I'm still mad. I sort of like this one tentatively. So it's weird because that outro to intro So this is an anti-Bush song, first of all. Sort of. As they go as hard as, you know, 13-year-old like kid could go about it. But it's like an anti-war, anti-Bush song. Um, it has low bits. Like, it actually has slow bits when the guitar slows down and everything slows down and they add a bit of texture to the composition. Um, it's not an amazing song, but I like it, like, very tentatively. I don't know if on repeated listen I will start hating it, but very tentatively I'm going to say this is maybe a pretty good song. Um, I like I like that they try at least to be a bit political for the times, um, and I like that they trying slightly different things structurally. So this is a this is a good one for me. This is like a thumbs up. Again, it's it's political, but in a way that if you weren't looking at it from the time it's from, nothing about this says political. It's a very subtle track. They're trying to do metaphors and shit. They've listened to Thursday and they were like, oh, we can do this. And they cannot do this, but I appreciate they the cannot effort do this. this. You are right, though, that this does feel like Lesser Thursday because this is the track where my notes have me realize this needs to be more theatrical. This is Lesser AFI, Lesser Thursday. Yeah, yeah I could see that. So I guess it is good in the regard that it made me think of those other bands, but also it I made feel me this realize... is good. This feels like the song where they're trying the hardest to do something. There is not just like going at eleven all the time, um, which I appreciate. I don't. Th- it doesn't fully work, but I think it's a good effort. It's one of the last songs that was written, and apparently for the last chunk of them. It was once they'd had the changeover of guitarist and they wrote a bunch of heavy tracks to close out the record and Divide and Conquer was listed as the first part of that period. But next up is Razor Blades. Hey, this 
Uh, that one is the pop punk song of the record. They just kind of feel like assholes on this track. To me. How so? Adam first. No, I go ahead. So, I was looking at this one because I'm thinking, Razor Blades has to be a suicide song, right? No, doesn't seem like it. And if it is a suicide song, which if I squint, maybe we could read it that way. These guys come off like real pricks because of lyrics yeah. like, I've wasted so much time on a friend, too young, too proud to understand. So this is the end. Here's my reminder of you. It meant nothing to me. What the fuck, man? Watching the world fall on you. I'm keeping my eyes closed. If this is a suicide song, they fucking hated that guy. <laughs> but, yeah. Mm, truly. But the only line that maybe makes me think it could be is there's one bridge near the end. We should have seen this coming. We should have seen this. And then it goes into the I've wasted so much time on a friend again. I just read it as a breakup song. I'll be honest. I didn't. I don't think this is about a suicide. Why the fuck did they call it razor blades then, huh? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I like I. When you title a song, you are giving your audience expectations, and you should try to deliver on those expectations. If you call a song razor blades and it's not about some edgy shit, then what are you doing? Name it something else. Calm down. I mean, yeah. I, I will not disagree with you. I just think that nothing in the lyrics makes me think of a suicide song, except from the title, which is fair. That's the problem! That's the problem! Uh, I will recommend listening to Razor Sex by Strung Out instead, which is a Ooh. better song. Um, but aside from that, I think this is a fine song. It's very pop-punky, weirdly enough. It's very chorus-oriented. This could have been another single. I don't love it, but I think it, it has a solid chorus. That's it. And that brings us into the other skipped song, Falling Down. This just doesn't work for me. We've talked about it. It's a very fast punk song, and they are just not the band to execute this to a, in a believable way. It just falls incredibly flat, and that's it. It's a fast punk song, but it's still like produced with this gloomy dark turn, and you have the singer who doesn't really do songs like this, and it just falls incredibly flat as a closer. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. That's it. I I actually think this is one of the more interesting things. And since doing research after listening, 
this sounds like where their sound might go, so I'm curious what that next record is. Okay. Adam? When you listen to it on YouTube, the last minute or so of it is uh, some sort of alternative track that I didn't actually fully divert my attention to because I went, oh, fuck no, not this. It's uh-uh. outtakes. It's outtakes from recording. Outtakes. I see. Okay, well... I don't know why they needed to do that. <laughs> they were screwing around on a very short record, and I actually laughed at a few of these. Because it's a couple of attempts at Anthem of Our Dying Day that just go a little awry in recording. And then all of the bandmates screwing around with a vocoder and making jokes about their vocal range. I laughed. One of them, like, cranks their voice up really high and it's like, I don't know, I can't tell any difference. <laughs> Anyhow... Are we done with this? I believe we are. Same song, different chorus. This was fine. I I enjoyed my first listen of it, and by the second listen of it, I thought I got bored of it. I thought it was start it is too flat for a lot of things again the guitar it's a fine emo record it's a fine poster core record there's better records in the genre there's way worse records in the genre um that's fine i i i know some people really love this i don't i i understand that for a couple of tracks but i don't think as a whole it's something that i will listen to a lot i love 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 the how edgy the lyrics are i think they're 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 adorable. Um, Ellie loves edgy music, this just in. I do love edgy music. <laughs> it's above average. It's not great. The singles are the worst part of it because the rest of it is something that I was completely happy to listen to. I did not have any moments of, oh god, end already with this, other than Sidewalks. Sidewalks fucking sucks. Sidewalk is a, is a terrible thing. <laughs> Like, the other singles are very, okay, I understand where you're coming from, I get it. Sidewalks blows. Sidewalk is is banned. So yeah, I, I am not upset by this. I think that, if anything, it makes me very curious why Thrice isn't on our list, because I'd like to cover that now. Uh, They're not classified as emo technically, they're just busted core. Um, Got it. Well, maybe we should save that as a bonus. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, We could do the Access and the Ambulance. It's a solid record. It's not amazing, but it's probably one of the best of this kind of wave. Um, We could do that. It's, um, again, we're at the whims of Radio Music Tag System. Which is not consistent. No. Nor does it make any sense ever under any circumstances. Really, the fun part is this. I'm willing to break all of our rules. I nearly came into this episode saying, Hello, I'm Sybil. I'm the host of Gotta Get On With This Show, a prog rock supergroup podcast. This album is fine. It's nothing. If I heard it, I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Except for, um, um, which one? I, it gave me a headache. I'm salty. <laughs> uh, let's, let's go to the ending bit. So, this was an episode. 
You can, as always, find us on our website, which is getoutofthistown.com. You can contact us at our email, which is getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on RSS, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Breaker, Castbox, Castro, Overcast, Pocketcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and probably somewhere else too, because all of this shit like scrapes stuff automatically, but you know. <laughs> and Yeah. Yeah. Um I I, I don't know. I I got a blahash finally. Nice. They got back in stock. It, it, it's what you deserve. It's very soft and cute, and I can hold it when I feel sad. It's not. Nice. I need a blahage. I need something to cuddle. Do, do I need to send you a blahage, Adam? No, do not send me a blahage. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get I, a teddy bear next time I go to Daiso. I mean, I will not send you a blahage from the UK. I would look up your closest IKEA and order a blahage for you if you want one. Yes, I understand, <laughs> but. I'm going to get myself a teddy bear next time I go to Daiso. Okay, but what if I send you a blahage? I have a job now. I have money. I can send you shark. You don't have my address, though, so... Give me your address so I can send you shark. No! I want to send you shark, Adam. God. Shark. <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> Accept my shark, Adam. <laughs> Wait, that sounds... Maybe. No, no, that sounds bad. That sounds bad. Never mind. <laughs> I can't figure out how that could be sexual, but I'm sure there's a way. Well, my there's, shark a, there's, a shape, there's a shape that sharks have. Ah, uh, okay. Like, they, they, they are sort of phallic. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Everything is phallic, Ellie. <laughs> we should hey, do, end this episode. Do either of the two of you know Persona stuff? I, I played... No. Three and four and two. Okay, I need I need info on five. Never mind. Okay. Someone just told me it's Futaba's birthday and they remind me of me somehow. So I think Futaba is the one with the glasses. Okay, I never played that game, so me I'm just neither. Like, should I be I, offended? I, I just I think she's like I, I mean, think she's you you just got compared to a Persona character. You should be offended. Fair. I also think she's like the stereotypical gamer hacker girl thing. I might be wrong. I haven't played the game. Fair enough. Well, that probably fits me. I mean, we have called you a gamer. We have used that slur this episode. It's true. We have used <clears> the <throat> G word. <laughs> uh, let's end this. Do you have anything to plug, Sable? You can find me at my website, hellscaper.com. Do you have anything to plug, Adam? Um, yes. If you would like to read a poled, uh, choose your own adventure story, you can check out what I'm writing at scorpiongrassfield.tumblr.com. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at ACCTheMoon and on co-host at ActuallyTheMoon. And if you want to support us, we do not have a Patreon, but please send Adam a blahash. No! Good night. Good night. See ya. Get out of this town. What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down. Let's terrify.